And remember, no matter what they telling you If you try, you can be a winner too Keep on pushing, moving on up Everybody, we're moving on up Moving on up Welcome, Peter to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. It is a Pewter post-game edition, and we are in a good mood because the Bucks got back into the winning column by bouncing back with a so-so performance against the Atlanta Falcons. It was a tale of two halves as the Bucks won the game 21-15 with a little bit of controversy at the end because there's always controversy when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm your host, Matt Matera. My co-host joined with me is the face that runs the place at pewterreport.com, SR, Scott Reynolds. Scott, you were live from Raymond James Stadium watching this game in person. And um, as I said, a tale of two halves. Yeah. Looked dominant in the first half and then almost gave it away in the second half before they got bailed out a little bit. So a lot to get into in this one. Yeah, for sure. And I think overall, when you look at this game, this this was a big, important game. The Bucks needed a win. Right. They needed a win, whether it was a convincing win, whether it was a shutout win, whether it was an ugly win, they needed to get a W. And I know fans and even the team, they're a little disappointed in the way that this game ended, right? Because they were up 21 nothing, and maybe that final score should have been 21 to nothing. Or maybe it should have been a little bit more in terms of, of scoring. The Buccaneers squandered away an opportunity on fourth and one in the first quarter of the game that uh, that cost them some points. But there's still some positives to build on, and, and as Agreed. as we just posted, uh, they're they're two zero in the division. That's a good start. This is still the defending NFC South champions, and they still have the title. The other thing is, we saw the offense get off to a really good start. Not a great start, but a good start. A better start than they have in games past, where points have been a premium. They had 13 points at halftime. More importantly, the defense really rebounded. I thought very well from last week. And five sacks, including one by Joe Tryon Shoenka, certainly helped out. The Buccaneers didn't make the Atlanta Falcons completely one-dimensional like that they wanted to. But they did enough damage in the first half to where when the Falcons' offense got going and the Bucs' offense didn't, and they, they stymied themselves with three straight uh, punting situations and, and didn't get points in, in the second half, uh, outside of of the the touchdown drive initially, I I, I think that that uh, there was enough to build on here that the Buccaneers come away from this feeling pretty good. I mean, just looking statistically speaking, I was kind of shocked. I, I didn't think the Buccaneers performed as well on third downs as they did. Nine of sixteen. That's fifty six percent. I'll take it, right? Because yeah, it hasn't been that good in a while. Four hundred and twenty yards. Mostly through the air, the running game still just not getting on track. We did see Leonard Fournette come through with about 20, 25 yards in the, in the fourth quarter and, and help salt away that win. But Lenny really did a lot of damage today through the air, and we'll talk yes, about that in a little bit. But it, it seemed like for the first time all season at home, Matt, that this team was energized, maybe by Celsius. Oh, absolutely. Of course, Celsius is the presenting sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast and the Pewter post-game show, which we are on right now. And, uh, you know, we saw a variety of different players for the Bucs making key plays, which we'll get into in a little bit. But that's the one great thing about Celsius. Well, not just the one great thing. There's multiple. But variety is one of them. You see on the screen here uh, the vibe, some of my favorite drinks, the Arctic vibe, peach vibe, tropical. You could also go with, uh, you know, sparkling watermelon, sparkling orange, uh, strawberry kiwi guava, spark wild berries, so many different flavors, essential vitamins. It's a healthy energy to other energy drinks on the market. So it gives you that energy to get you through your day, your workout, whatever you need Celsius for. And uh, make sure you go on the store locator on Celsius.com. Find out where there's Celsius near you. They're expanding. They're growing. You can find them local grocery store, bodega, wherever it may be. Or if you don't want to go out searching for one, just have it go right to your doorstep. Whether you live in an apartment or uh, or you own a home, you can order it on Amazon. Have it sent right to your uh, place of living. And um, you can, of course, do that on Amazon. You can get it in bulk, different packages. I would recommend the variety pack because variety 
is the spice of life. So uh, again, go to Celsius.com. Make sure you're drinking a Celsius energy drink, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast, uh, hashtag Celsius live fit. And you talk about the, you know, the positives, the things that you can take away from this game. And we started with the defense. So I do want to yeah. talk about that. The defense absolutely dominated in that first half. They were getting a yeah. great push at the line of scrimmage. Joe Tryon Shoyanka, before the game on the Pewter Tailgate show and on the game day show as well, a lot of fans were asking, where the heck is Joe Tryon Shoyanka? What is he doing? Why is he even starting at this point? And he came up big time today early on. It started with getting penetration in the backfield on a run play. It was a pitch yeah. to the outside. He didn't get the tackle, but he stymied the play where everyone else uh, what you know was able to, uh, to to finish off the play and the guy that made the tackle on that play who was without a doubt the best player on defense for the Buccaneers Antoine Winfield Jr. Oh yeah and, you know we've all over to, the we've, place we've come to expect this from Antoine Winfield Jr. But yeah he was a heat seeking missile whether and a lot of his damage was done up at the line of scrimmage whether yeah. it was getting that tackle in the backfield uh, getting the strip sack on Marcus Mariota which if that did not bounce into the hands of Marcus Mariota, Vita Vea is rumbling, bumbling, stumbling That's right. down the other way. So we were that robbed. That would have been fun to see. We were robbed of a great moment like that. But we come to expect that from Antoine Winfield Jr. Yeah. I thought it really it was a great job by the defensive line, especially in that first half. And, you know, the stats will say the, the Bucks allowed all these, you know, these big runs. But a lot of that was Mariota scrambling. It I, was. The Bucs were only hit two or three times with legitimate good runs from yeah. Algier and, and Huntley. It wasn't like they were getting gashed left and right, right. all over the place. So yeah, it, nice I, I of think, the defense to step up in the in the first half for sure. I, you're right. I think that's something Todd Bowles brought up too. When you look at the fact that out, out of the Atlanta Falcons rushing yards, and and let's face it, Marcus Mariota is a big part of that on the bootlegs, the waggles, getting outside, uh, contain making plays down the sidelines and also too escaping pressure up the middle, finding uh, you know, a, a compromised run lane or a pass rush lane, I should say, and then taking advantage of that. So Mariota was the leading rusher for the Falcons. Yeah. 61 yards, seven carries. He had a 23 yard run, which is the longest of the day. Um, you know, Huntley had a 22 yard run. Algier had a 17 yard run. Those are going to irk Todd Bowles for sure. Yeah. And of course the Avery Williams touchdown run as well. That there's, there's some, Correctable tape there that it's going to be reviewed on Tuesday when the players come back after victory Monday. But uh, I think by and large, the Falcons are a, a run first, run second, run third team. Yeah, and, and so they're going to get their yards. This is the third best rushing team in the league for a reason because they commit to it and they're good at it. And, and so I, I'm with you. I think the more important statistic is the 15 points. Right, I think the this Buccaneer team with Tom Brady on the other side of the ball, if you hold a team to 15 points or less, you should win the game. Now that was not the case the last time uh, the Buccaneers were in a closer game, which was that that Packers game. Right, yeah, uh, they helped the Aaron Rodgers led Packers to 14 points. Didn't get the, the job done then, but Brady didn't have Mike Evans that game or Chris Godwin. It was very compromised in terms of the wide receiver position. But I, I think by and large, a good win. Looking at at what the offense was able to accomplish outside of just the second half because they really did a good job. And one thing I liked and was really surprised me was, and I was talking to to J.C. Allen sitting next to me at the press box, was I thought for sure Todd Bowles was going to sit on that ten point lead at halftime. I just he's a little bit more of a conservative natured guy. He's not Bruce Allen's no risk at no biscuit. We saw some no risk at no biscuit from Todd Bowles. He said, I got three timeouts. They just missed their field goal. We're going to try to get three points. We got the best quarterback in the league and Tom Brady. Well, maybe not the best quarterback today. That might be Josh Allen, but, but, uh, <laughs> but Tom Brady's still no slouch. He's still an amazing quarterback. And the reason why this Buccaneer team is three and two right now. And I, I was, you know, I was pleasantly surprised to see him go for it. And Leonard Fournette came up with the big 21 yard catch and run to get into Ryan Suckup field goal range. And boy, before I forget it, I got to, I got to tell you the best player on this Buccaneer team right now is Ryan Suckup. He's missed one kick. He's 11 of 12 now on the season, 91.6%. He's made all of his extra points in terms of the best player on the team right now. It's Ryan Suckup. And that's not a bad thing because again, Matt, points are going to be at a premium this year. This is not the mm -hmm. 30 points per game Buccaneer offense 
that we are grown accustomed to seeing. This I talked with Leonard Fournette after the game. This is going to be a season of growing pains. A lot of young players, a lot of new players in the lineup getting adjusted to each other. There, there's some frustration on the offensive side. You see it from Tom Brady. Even Leonard Fournette's seen it. Uh, the players that have been here since 2020 are frustrated on offense because it's not clicking like it used to. But Ryan Suckup, being as good as he's been to start this season, that is a real blessing in disguise for this team. A big day for the entire special team. Suck up has been automatic ever since he missed that, you know, that that kick in week one. You know, he's been lights out in terms of, uh, you know, getting his job done. Jake Camarda took as many hits as, you know, a typical offensive or defensive <laughs> lineman. You know, he had a tackle in the return game. Um, J- Jalen Darden did a pretty good job. He moved he the ball up the field. He did. He was solid as a returner. Yep. Uh, me and Josh Capo have been talking a lot about how Darden isn't as bad this year as a returner right. as everyone thinks. Um, someone had a great comment during the, the game day stream when they said, uh, no one loves anything more than Darden loves the sideline, which there's That's still true. some truth. There's still some truth. I, to that. You're right, Matt, but here's the thing. He's not slipping and sliding at, at, yeah. at the first time he sees somebody in a different color Jersey. He is finding the sideline. So he is, he does have his escape hatch, right? Ready to go. Whenever he wants yeah. to step out of bounds. Whereas Avery Williams, right. For the Falcons, he works the middle of the field and tries to make people miss and get a big play that way. So baby steps for Darden. It's not as bad as he used to be. What did he have today? Uh, two punt returns for 40 yards, including a 24-yarder. Yeah. And so, you know, we'll take it over last year, right? Exactly. Yeah, they're they're moving the ball yeah. up the field, which is really important. To get back to Leonard Fournette a little bit, um, led the way for the Bucs in, yeah. in, in, in the receiving game. Ten receptions for 83 yards and a receiving touchdown. He also had a rushing touchdown, not as effective um, in the, in the running game, but um, overall another solid day for Lenny yeah. ping pong Lenny, as I like to call him, because he <laughs> just right. bounces off the fenders. Actually, Casey Hudson came up with that, with that name. I yeah. can't take, I can't take credit for it, um, but let's talk about the offense in the, in the first half a little bit. Uh, Cause we know what happened in, in the second half. Yeah. Uh, it, it was another story of, the Bucs were able to move the ball down the field once they started passing it, and everyone was involved. Lenny, obviously, but you right. know, Mike Evans was important. Chris Godwin, I think, was really important. Kate Otten. White. <laughs> Kate Otten was the Kate Otten was the player of the game. I, I did a poll with a lot of the, the fans in the chat. Yeah. This was at halftime, and I was asking them which player has excited you uh, the most in, in this game. And I gave yeah. them five options in honor of your Fab Five. I said Kate Otten, Rashad White, Chris Godwin. Logan Hall or Antoine Winfield Jr. And every single player got at least one vote and it was a little mixed, but Kate Otten was the resounding winner. And I think, you know, obviously people have been clamoring for Gronk and, you know, when are the Bucks going to get another tight end? And I think what Kate Otten did today, which was obviously fantastic, six receptions for 43 yards, had a key third down reception. Mm -hmm. But I think this is a great lesson of, and what we've been talking about, where it's going to take time for these players to gel. This is Kate Otten's fifth career game, actually fourth right. career game, because yeah. he, he missed one. Um, it's going to take a little bit of time for these players to, to get acclimated to this team, to this offense, working with Tom Brady. And I understand, as a society, we live in a now, 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 now type of world. Yep. And so as soon as you don't see production from the tight end in the first or second game, Gronk, please come out of retirement. Gronk, please, yeah. we need you. Obviously, the Bucs would welcome back Gronk, but it doesn't look right. like that's happening. Let it be with Kate Otten because he's showing, yeah. and he put the gloves on. He's not barehanded anymore. That's right. He put that's the right. gloves on, and he's making plays as a receiver, yeah. and he's showing that he's important. Scott, last week we said, and this is my last point, last week we said Kate Otten doesn't need to be Gronk. He doesn't need to be right. Kyle Pitts as a great receiving. Be like a Pat Fryermuth on the right. on the Steelers. That's exactly who we said. That was a Pat Fryermuth game right there yeah. for Kate Otten. That's exactly what they needed. Yeah, and and I think too when when you look at, I, I think there's there's something wrong with Tom Brady's shoulder, right? I mean, he's got a rotator cuff injury. That's not a stretch to say he's injured. He also his his ring finger on his right hand is injured. Brady still put up incredible yards, and he's not complaining about hey, we're throwing the ball too much because he wants yeah. to win. 52 passing attempts. 52 pass attempts. 301 yards. Yes, right? At the same time, though, we've seen this offense really become kind of a dink and dunk offense. And I think that has something to do with how Brady 
is is throwing the ball, right? Because we we've seen on some of these passes, Scotty Miller had a step on a defender in the first half, and the ball was underthrown. Yeah. Probably it could have been a touchdown, right? But but the defender was able to make up some ground. We we just haven't seen Brady be super effective. Now that there there was a beautiful pass to Mike Evans, but that was that was also Mike Evans, right? Let's yeah. give Mike credit <laughs> for being Mike. Uh, but but I, I just don't think that that he's as crisp on some of those intermediate and downfield passes as he has been because he legitimately is not 100% with his, his throwing motion, his right shoulder, his right ring finger is not ideal. And therefore, Kate Otten is a player that I think is going to have to really step up to the forefront. It wasn't pretty, right? It's 7.2 yards per catch. It wasn't yeah. anything stunning going down the middle of the field or anything, but it was effective. And so I, I I like what the fact that, that the Buccaneers and Tom Brady, they as Todd Bull said, the flats were open for Leonard Fournette, and Brady's going to go where the coverage takes him. And a lot of those passes were to Fournette, 10 catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown. Because what they were doing is they were doubling the outside receivers. Mm-hmm. They were taking away the interior run lanes. Uh, and and with with the linebackers, and so that really left Fournette one on one an awful lot out there in the flat. And Brady and Fournette you know, made use of that. And so it's finding a way to win. It's not going to be as dynamic and and sexy and cool and fun as it was a couple of years ago when the Buccaneers had a more uh, vertical passing game. And part of that is because of what they have up front. There's no left guard, Ali Marpet, who's a Pro Bowl caliber player. There's no Pro Bowl caliber center in Ryan Jensen. I saw, for the most part, on pass protection downs, Robert Hainsey was sliding over and helping Luke Gedeke almost every play. And that's the right call. But Gedeke was getting whipped on a couple of those plays, too. He's the obvious weak link. I would almost like for them to explore Brandon Walton at some point in time just to see if he's better. I'm not the offensive line coach. You know, I, Harold Goodwin knows better than I. Joe Gilbert knows better than I. But I just still see Luke Gedeke hanging on for dear life and surviving. And I, you just have to wonder, right? Brady's already kind of taken a beating. He doesn't need to take one big hit. And he, we'll t- we'll t- let's talk about the sack right now, right? The, the Grady Jarrett, you know, sack that wasn't because of the, of the personal foul, Matt. Yeah. Uh, first of all, it happened from the first play of the game or the first like play action pass where yeah. Jarrett was, was right there. Um, yeah, so the big play at the end of the game, of course, was the uh, roughing the passer call that was called on Grady Jarrett after he sacked Tom Brady on third down. Um, listen, it was a horrible call. It was yeah, an it absolutely, was it was terribly, so terribly awful call. But the Bucks will take it. And also, there should have been a call on pass interference when Brady went deep to Scotty Miller. Now, yeah. the pass could have been a little bit better, but the right. defender dove into Scotty before the ball even got there. So it was shocking that there was no call there. So I agree. Yeah. You could make the case to make a call, but again, to be there. And also horrible play call by Byron Lefwich. That was not the time to take a a low percentage deep shot when really you're, you're trying to work the clock and keep the the clock moving. The Falcons are burning their timeouts and to have such a, a low percentage deep shot just screams like, Bruce Arians, you know, it's it's right. great when it works, but 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 that no risk and no biscuit philosophy sometimes it, it doesn't work. Some, sometimes it, it's not right, and and yeah, there should have been a you know pass interference call there too. But the sissification of the NFL continues, Matt, with that Grady Jarrett uh, sack. To me, no, absolutely, it's, it's it's just sickening as a defensive kind of minded guy, you know. But I also think the Bucks again. You can make the case Scotty Miller. There was a pass interference penalty on him. But I think you could also make the case, remember, the Bucs converted that last third down. It was an incomplete pass to, to Chris Godwin, but they called a holding, a defensive holding penalty yeah. on Atlanta that let the Bucs get over midfield or uh, around midfield to keep their drive going. I was watching the replay with Josh. I didn't really see a hold anywhere, but I think I the yeah. refs. The, so the Bucs got bailed out there. The Falcons got bailed out on the pass interference, and then the Bucs yeah. got bailed out again with the roughing the passer. But also... The refs, I don't think, had a good day at all. No, they did. Whether it was penalties or spotting the football, I yes. thought um, 
Kate Otten, so Leonard Fournette got stopped on that fourth down when it was uh, fourth and one in, in right. the first half. It was the Bucks' second drive. But Kate Otten made the catch on third down, got tackled right at the marker. Yeah. It looked like he... He got shorted got, on that. Yeah, he got yeah. shorted on that. So I don't know if that's on Todd Bowles for not challenging. I think part of it's on the refs for um, just giving it a bad spot in general. Yeah. At the end of the day, the Bucks have to get a yard, a half a yard, whatever right. it was. And the Leonard yelling was all over the place uh, on the game day stream today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a tough day for the refs. Very controversial at the end for the Bucks and the Falcons. Falcons had all the momentum in the second half. The Bucs couldn't move the ball on offense outside of that first scoring drive yeah. of the second half, which again, positive. The Bucs took that ball and moved it all the way down the field. Like they had a big chunk they to did. go. It wasn't like, uh, you know, starting from midfield or anything like that. So credit to the Bucs for that. Then right. they had three straight three and outs. And what's disappointing is that first three and out, it was still 21 nothing. Right. And you, it was almost playing Gabbard time. That yeah. was almost playing Gabbard time. One more score and, and the Blaine train, you know, takes, takes the tracks, but it, it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, and the first three and out, I'm just going to chalk that up to, like, listen, every now and then you just have a really bad drive, and that's yeah. what it was for the Bucs. So they got stopped in the backfield. Yeah, three in a row, come pass. on. Exactly. Yeah. The second one, the second three and out, again, I didn't necessarily hate, like, the play calling and stuff. They got it to third and four. They just didn't execute on the passing play on third right. down. But after that, you can't have three straight three and outs that wasn't fair to the defense right. when they had been keeping you, they'd been winning you the game to that point. And it was still 21 to seven by the time they got the, you know, the third right. three and out. But, you know, you talk about time possession playing as a team that was not complimentary football no, at all wasn't. by the offense being unable to move the ball. And then stacked on top of that was the fact that the Bucks secondary was dropping like flies, whether Carlton yeah. Davis got injured, <laughs> yeah. Sean Murphy bunting his backup. They showed uh, Zion McCollum in the game. I was like, what the heck? Yeah. Zion McCollum, this is his first career game, and now he's playing important you know, minutes in the fourth quarter as the as the outside corner. Then Mike Edwards gets injured because he whiffed on a tackle because there was yep. multiple missed tackles by the Bucs. Then they're down to two safeties with Antoine Winfield Jr. and Keanu Neal because obviously Logan Ryan was hurt. So if that game kept going, if the defense had to get on the field again, I think it would have been curtains for the Bucs just because like they didn't even have a nickel corner. Who's going to play there? D Delaney, friend of the program, but right. you know, you, you couldn't even <laughs> operate as a defense because you didn't have enough players. Yeah. And, and that's concerning going forward, right? Because not that the Steelers are going to throw the ball over the yard, especially with Kenny Pickett at quarterback, but, but uh, you know, we saw the cornerback position get hit hard last year uh, with, uh, with all of the injuries. Yeah, of course. So, uh, well, here's the latest on the injuries as we know it. Mike Edwards, the safety, injured his elbow on that play, on the touchdown. And he should be fine, but Sean Murphy Bunting does need an MRI. He might have heard something pop in his quad. That's not good. All right, that's no. that's bad. If you hear a pop in your quad or your hamstring, that's bad. He's going to get an MRI. And Sean Murphy Bunting, in the limited snaps he's played this year, has played pretty good. Yeah. Carlton Davis was walking around after the game, a little gingerly with his hip. Obviously, that we, you know, that that could be something that flares up uh, by tomorrow, or it could it could simmer down by tomorrow as well. So we'll we'll find out more about that. Uh, Chris Godwin didn't play as much in the second half because he he no. he experienced soreness and and some tightness, but he should be fine. So that's kind of where things stand from the injury perspective right now, and. Uh, again, the, the Buccaneers, you have to win the winnable games, right? I mean, it's it's one thing to, to uh, you know, we all sit there and say we, the Bucs have the easier, the easiest part of the schedule coming up right now. You've got the Atlanta Falcons. You've got the, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Steelers. You've got the Carolina Panthers on the road. The, the, those are some teams that are not good and the Buccaneers should win. Well, they're they're 1-0 against the bad teams now that they've run that opening gauntlet and, and gone 2-2. Two and two. In, in the four games that were, as some would say, maybe the toughest part of the schedule. Now it's in the easier part of the schedule, and they just got to stack some wins, right? They've, they've got to go on the road. They're 2-0 on the road this year. They know how to win. It's just a matter of doing it, and and Pittsburgh got shellacked today. Yeah. They absolutely got waxed. And they don't have hurricane preparation as an excuse 
the Buccaneers certainly being displaced by the hurricane, plus all of the mental stress and lack of rest that happened when you're not in your home environment and you're living in a hotel room with all your family and your pets and everything in one room instead of like your mansion. It, it took a toll. I've talked to enough Buccaneer players this week. It took a toll. So the Steelers don't have that excuse. They ran no. into a hurricane today uh, called Josh Allen, and, yeah. and they did not survive the storm. And now the Buccaneers, they're not nearly as potent of an offense as the Bills are. But if you know if, if they can kind of build on what they've done in the passing game over these last two weeks, the 31 points against Kansas City, the 351 yards passing today mm-hmm. by Tom Brady, you know, I, I certainly like their chances to to win these winnable games here and get a couple more wins. And all of a sudden, Matt, right? If you can beat the Steelers and the Panthers, now you're 3-0 in the division, right? And you're 5-2. and And in this up-for-grabs NFC, that's a pretty damn good place to be. And the beauty of the NFL is, uh, you know, it's not like college football where there's a ranking system. You don't get style points for winning by, you know, a larger margin than others against inferior opponents. It's just whether you won or whether you lost. And yeah. another beauty is the 24-hour rule right. where, you know, 24 hours from now, you're done. You're, you're moving on to next week. Yeah. So if the Bucks win the next two games over the Steelers and the Panthers by a combined score of 52 to 10, mm-hmm. no one's going to care that they just squeaked out this victory right, right. against the Falcons. It's <laughs> exactly. all about momentum. And it'll be, hey, yeah. the Bucks are on a three-game winning streak and a top of the NFC South, which is really important. We've yeah. been talking about the Steelers a lot, so this is a good time to remind everyone that the Celsius Pewter Report tailgate show presented by Age Rejuvenation and live from Walk-Ons will be back next Sunday at the Walk-Ons in Wesley Chapel at 11 a.m. And then the Pewter Game Day show will follow right after that at 1 o'clock. We'll be giving our live in-game reactions and analysis to every single play from Bucks versus Steelers. Very excited for that one. Scott is going to be making his return to the Pewter Report tailgate show at Wesley Chapel. So we're very excited for that. John Gilmore will be back again, providing his great analysis. And then myself and a guest will be doing the Peter game day show. We had a lot of fun doing it today. We got on the, uh, wasn't the cameraman's fault, but the, the board, the operator that goes cut to camera one, cut to camera two, they completely (laughs) missed the big play by Mike Evans. When he made the catch, broke the tackles and then dove for the pylon. They just had the camera on Scotty Miller the whole time. Yeah. So me and Josh, mostly me, were just, absolutely screaming but it was very funny you never know what you're going to get in these games so uh, make sure you check us out next sunday starting at 11 o'clock and going all the way through the game and the uh the pewter post game as well and scott you bring up a great point that you know the division obviously is up for grabs The, the bucks are in the driver's seat with winning that game the conference is also up for grabs too i know there's a lot of really good competition in the nfc east right now the eagles are undefeated. The Giants only have one loss, and the Cowboys are winning right now against the Rams. But the good thing for the Bucs is that all those teams have to play against each other, so the NFC East is going to devour each other. Yes. And then the Packers, who have the tiebreaker over the Bucs by beating them two weeks ago, the Packers lost today, and you know what? They haven't really looked that good. They didn't look that good against the Bucs. The Bucs kind of beat themselves. They almost lost to a Billy Zappi-led Patriots team in (laughs) Lambeau last week, and then they lost to the Giants in London today. So, um, you know, a lot lot better talent in the NFC than I think overall we thought. Like, no one had the Giants doing this. Yeah, exactly. But, again, getting that number one seed, much more important this year because there's only one bye. And I think the Bucs, with the schedule that they have coming up, the next couple of weeks, mm-hmm. it's definitely a possibility at the Bucks. It, it's without question they're in the running for that number one right. seed, but the taking is there for them. I, I will say this to, to Dave Pitts, and we always appreciate Dave's comments. Yeah, uh, thank you. you Dave. know, big time supporter of the Peter Report podcast, and always appreciate you you taking part in this. I do have to disagree a little bit. Yeah, Nate says I'm sorry, but the coaching's to blame. There's no reason the Bucks should be playing like this across the board. It's turning into every game being do just enough to win. I take issue with this for a little bit because when I look at the offense, and again, this was an uh, was an offense that was scoring what over forty points two or three times last year, averaging twenty nine point nine points per game. I mean, they were stacking up thirty point games like it was nobody's business, especially over the last two years. 
this year it's different because you just don't have the talent. Todd Bowles, mm-hmm. this offense is just not as talented. You know, Luke Gedeke is not even in the same realm as Ali Marpet. Okay. Luke Gedeke right now is not as good as Alex Kappa was last year. Okay. Uh, very true. Ryan Jensen is head and shoulders above Robert Hainsey, who is okay, but Ryan Jensen is a Pro Bowl center. He's the league's highest paid center for a reason. So you've got those two factors right there up front. That's two out of your five offensive linemen. By the way, two out of the three Pro Bowlers aren't there. Then you've got your future Hall of Fame tight end, Rob Gronkowski, that could help as a perimeter blocker at, at the line of scrimmage in the run game. And we've all we've noted, right, how Kyle Rudolph is not not the answer at tight end. Cam Brake no. can't block. You know, Kate Otten does you know a, a yeoman's job. He's learning on the fly. He's on the job training right now, showing some promise, but still, you know, he, he you can't even say Kate, Kate Otten and and, and uh, Rob Gronkowski in the same sentence and no. and uh, you know and sound intelligent. So, and, and then you look at Russell Gage, right? This is the ten million dollar man. This is the 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 wide receiver that was come in that that really because of his lack of size has to make plays with his initial quickness. The hamstring is not right. It's probably not going to get right this year. He injured it in training camp. It has been bothering him all season long, and he's not nearly as good as the wacko that is Antonio Brown. When Antonio Brown was healthy last year, AB was making plays, hundred yeah. yard game here and there, and you know he he's a stud. Say what you want about the character and all that. He has Hall of Fame caliber numbers, right? So when you look at, at the pieces that the Bucks offense had last year and what they're lacking this year, it's night and day. Then you take away Mike Evans for a game because of a suspension, mm-hmm. and Chris Godwin's not playing you know, uh, as free as he used to before the ACL injury, right? He was a splashier player last year because he didn't have the, the knee that was coming off of, off of reconstructive surgery. So I'm just saying, I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just trying to reason away why this offense is not as dynamic as it used to be. And and I'll tell you what, you need to get used to some 21-point performances by this team because I don't know that they're going to reach 30 points with nearly the regularity that they did last year. And if that's the case, this Buccaneer team, especially the scoring part of the defense, the bend but don't break, it's got to play really well too. Otherwise, the Buccaneers, and I got, listen, I got, just about crucified by Bucks fans for predicting 11 and six this year. You know, they were like, what are you talking about? Reynolds like 11 and six. Yeah. <laughs> it was the lowest prediction I've ever on the Peter report staff, but I just didn't see this offense being as dynamic as, as, you know, as, as it has been. And so far that's coming to fruition. I hope I'm wrong for the Bucks sake for Bucks fan sake. I hope they end up getting 13 wins this year, but man, it's, it's going to be a lot harder than it was last year to get to, even 11, 12, 13 wins, in my opinion. And I understand everyone's, you know, frustration that, oh, where, where, where's the offense? And I'm talking more about like the, the casual fan. Well, like I had someone yesterday, a very nice person, but not a huge football fan. And they're like, what's wrong with Tom Brady? And I'm like, it's, it's not Tom Brady, right. you know, and you know, to the casual fan, I'm not going to be like, well, Scotty Miller's not breaking separation. You know, I wasn't going to like go into, yeah. you know, crazy detail about what goes on. And, you know, this is a re- revisionist history, but if Mike Evans isn't suspended, I firmly believe that the Bucks beat the Packers. I, yeah. I think just, you know, there's a couple right. of balls that go his way yep. where Scotty's not involved. But I do want to ask you, Scott, um, what did you think of Scotty's performance today? We haven't really talked about him. He made a couple of grimy catches, you know, a catch he over did. the middle, and he got open on those deep balls. It, you know, it wasn't it wasn't his fault that the yeah. you know that the play wasn't made. But I thought Scotty, who had everything fall into place for him. Right. With you know Julio being unavailable, yeah. With Gage dealing with the with his hamstring and back and still able to play. Yeah. With Colt Beasley retiring, with Rashad Perryman, yeah. Uh, you know, not available for this game either. This was a huge opportunity for Scotty, and you know he didn't light the place up, but right. I thought he was solid in his role. He had a he nice block too in a screen yeah. Yeah. To, to Chris Godwin. So I thought he took a step in the right direction. I don't know if he can sustain it for an entire season, but. The thumbs up for Scott. Today. I agree. I, I think you know the, the Bucks needed a better play from him, and I think he delivered that today. Was it was it good enough? No. I mean, you still got to close the deal on some of these. Now, the, the problem is Scott. He's he's not going to win jump balls, right? He's he's not going to be a contested catch guy. 
So you have to throw him open or he's got to get some separation and the ball's got to be on time. And, and I think that there was that one big play that could have happened or the ball was a bit underthrown. That's not Scotty's fault. Um, but I will say this team has to look at Julio Jones and maybe pull the plug on this because this guy is done. He is he can't run anymore. He can't stay healthy. I think his legs are just shot. And 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 you know it's it was a gamble. And you know what? I wrote about this in the SRS Fab Five. This free agent class is really underwhelmed. And it, there's a lot of name guys that if you're building this roster on Madden, right, and you're making yeah. some trades and you're signing some guys on Madden, you might be able to get away with it. But Kyle Rudolph is a shell of his former self. Julio Jones is a shell of his former self. And it's hard to get on Jason Light because he did build a Super Bowl roster. A lot of the moves he's made from trading for Jason Pierre-Paul when looked like you know he might be slowing down with the Giants to the trade for Rob Gronkowski, obviously signing Tom Brady. That's kind of a no-brainer. But yeah. Light's done a lot of good things in free agency, in the draft, via trades to build this roster. But no general manager is perfect. And I think that the guys that they went for this year, it just haven't panned out. Like Shaq Mason, I think Shaq Mason's been okay. I honestly expected him to be a bit of a difference maker in the run game. I he think got he's better. Beat a little, he got beat a couple of times in, in today's game, just like yeah. watching the replays on stuff. And you see yeah. him pushed back. So um, I, I, I think he's good in space. I like, well, I like when he pulls through the hole, he can be really devastating. But just the at the, the line of scrimmage stuff, the mano a mano, just, that's where the lack of size shows up. And 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 so again, I I like the trade of Shaq Mason. I just expected him to be more of a difference maker, especially in the run game, and and honestly, a little bit of head and shoulders above Alex Kappa. And I really haven't seen that so far yet. Uh, I, I hear you. I, I think he's a better player than Alex Kappa, but he's not playing as well as I thought he would play. I th- we have a couple super chats which we want we'll get to right now but I also just want to say I think so far there's been two free agent acquisitions that have um I guess you could say lived up to the expectations or yeah. have done a good job that I think everyone should be okay with. Uh Logan Ryan when healthy yeah. has been great. The the force yes. fumble the interception and Carl Nassib, you know, in his role as a backup yes. edge rusher, I think Carl Nassib has done a, a pretty good job. He's a, he's a hustle guy, had a sack last week. Um, you know, was in on a couple plays this yeah. week. So those are the two that definitely stand out to me. Uh, shout out to the Cannon Fire podcast. Thank Appreciate you for the $5 guys. Super Chat. Uh, they say, Scooter needed a game like this badly. Also, he's no Gronk, but I've been glad to see Kate Otten show some consistency. Yeah, Consistency was the key yeah. because he caught every pass that went to him except for that that screen play. We'll, get, we'll, we'll throw that one to the side. That's all right. Um, definitely... Did great there. And Matthew, great name. Thank you for the $5 shot as well. He said, flying to Pitt on Saturday and will be at the game. Slowly O-line improving. Yeah, that's awesome. Very excited for you. Um, But why not run Keyshawn Vaughn a a bit more if Jones, Randolph, Dunn, uh, Rudolph, I believe he means, Dunn, cut them. Well, Keyshawn Vaughn's not playing because Rashad White's done a really good job the last two games. So that's why Keyshawn um, isn't playing. Cutting Jones and, and Rudolph? Rudolph, well, if Bray's going to be out, I still think you need, for depth-wise, you need a, another tight yeah. end in there. So I don't see that with Rudolph. With Jones, okay, maybe not cut him, but you at least have to – I'm done with the him practicing all week and then not being able to play for the game. Right. You know, you just – you can't have that. Yeah. Either completely rest him, let him get fully healthy, or, you know, put him on the IR or short-term IR, whatever it is. But you can't keep doing this back-and-forth type of thing. Yeah, maybe he has to go to age rejuvenation, Matt. I don't know. Maybe he's feeling his age a little bit at 33, and and um, maybe, maybe that's on tap for him. Yeah, that would be a, a, a really good idea. So let's hear from our friends at Age Rejuvenation. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to Age Rejuvenation because... I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call age rejuvenation today. 
Guys, if you want to feel better, go to Age Rejuvenation. Lose weight, feel great, have better sex. You might have seen Age Rejuvenation as the new sponsor of my SRS Fab Five column on pewterreport.com. And of course, they're the presenting sponsor of the Celsius Pewter Report Tailgate Show at Walk-Ons every week. Well, I'm a new Age Rejuvenation customer myself, and so is John Gilmore, retired Buccaneer, who joins us on Pewter Tailgate. John's a good friend of mine, and he told me about Age Rejuvenation even before they signed up as an advertising partner of ours. He was raving about how good he felt and how much energy he had. And I started my journey with age rejuvenation back in August. And I'm two months in and I feel a huge difference. Thankfully, don't have any issues in the bedroom, but I did turn 50 this year and energy has been a problem for me. I wanted to take naps in the middle of the day. I just was so tired all the time. And it turns out I had low testosterone and I'm not alone. Matter of fact, most men in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s have low testosterone too. It's just nature, fellas. It happens. And what they're even finding out is, is younger men in their 30s due to poor diet, poor exercise, genetics, whatever, they're having low testosterone uh, levels and, and decreases in testosterone. So do what I did. Get checked out at Age Rejuvenation. They do a free hormone panel and Low testosterone affects everything from weight loss to energy, and now there's a way to fight it, and that's what I did with the testosterone therapy. I've got more energy now. Visit agerejuvenation.com. Age Rejuvenation has got five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. Lose weight, feel great, have better sex with Age Rejuvenation. John Wolf had a good comment here. He said, uh, Julio needs knee rejuvenation, <laughs> he does. which I thought – which I thought was a a good quote. Yeah. Um, Scott, there's two players that I want to talk about that we haven't mentioned yet on the defensive side of the ball who also had a really good game. One of them, you were asking Todd Bowles about him. That was Logan Hall. Yes. You know, had a sack, had another really good game. And, um, you know, this guy played his college football at Raymond James right. Stadium. Deidre Sinat from he USF did. had a sack. Um, doing a really good job as a, well, I know the Bucks have struggled in the, in the run game, but yeah. you know, he's in there. I, I think he, he's playing like pretty solid doing mm -hmm. his, doing his part to attempt to stop the run. So, you know, that's a promising sign when you get, these, I agree. you know, these up and coming players that, I mean, obviously Hall was their, their first pick in the draft. <laughs> that's with a good comment. But anyway, I just I just wanted to um yeah. to mention them because yeah. I thought they did a really good job. Obviously, it was another sack party for the right. Bucks in general. Devin White was involved, JTS. Yeah. Um, one other person, Shaq Barrett, um, he was second on the team in tackles, but we haven't seen a ton from him outside of the Saints game. Is that right. uh, is that a concern for you? A little bit. Sometimes when when you're hunting sacks, it's you know, like Warren Sapp told me, it, it's it's not five fingers, it's the fist, right? You have to work in tandem to get sacks, right? You've got to do your job, and sometimes you might be cutting off the quarterback's escape route and keeping him in the pocket that allows one of your teammates to come in and get the yeah. sack. And I think that's why you see a nose tackle, Matt, like Deidre Sanat, who does not get to the quarterback very often, and I talked to him <laughs> after the game, and I said, Deidre, this is, this is really interesting, right? Because here you are at Raymond James Stadium, right? You not only are a Buccaneer here, but you played your college football here for the USF Bulls. And you're playing against your former team, the team that drafted you in the third round, the Atlanta Falcons. This had to be a special moment. He's like, oh, yeah, man. He's like, for me to get a sack, my son was at the game. Oh, he said, wow. Yeah, he said this, this was just a day. He just about started crying. He was so happy. He had a great game. And this is a great role player. Jason Light's done a good job. He and John Spitek have done a really good job of finding these role players. Steve McClendon was that guy, right, in 2020, yep. trading for him when after Vita Vea got hurt. But now finding a guy like Sonat starts the year on the practice squad, and then he's just been really solid against the run. And for him to get a sack is, is a nice cherry on the top. And Logan Hall, you mentioned him. That sack came from him playing essentially outside linebacker slash defensive end. He was an edge rusher on that play, and that's why they liked Hall. And I asked Todd Bowles about that after the game. They like Logan Hall's versatility. He is not just your prototypical three technique where he's strictly, you know, a uh, a B gap rusher, and that's all he can do. I think Gerald McCoy back in the day, that's that's kind of the role that he played. No, Logan Hall can line up in multiple spots and play different techniques, and so he played a lot of of, of essentially defensive end edge rusher on this uh, in this game plan, and I thought. 
usually we see on quarterback bootlegs and waggles, it's the rookies, right? It's the young players that get sucked inside with that that play action fake. And then the quarterback bootlegs around and has a wide open alleyway to throw the ball or run, Matt. But we didn't see that. We saw him set the edge and go straight up the field, do his assignment, be assignment sound. And all of a sudden, if and I said, tell my kids in Pop Warner when I was coaching defensive line, if you just go straight up the field and set the edge, these quarterbacks that do these bootlegs and waggles, they're going to run right into you as long as you're there. And he was. And it was a nice one-two punch. He started it. Devin White finished it yep. off. And so just, just a great, heady sound play by Logan Hall, who already has two sacks now. Keep in mind. You know, and, and sacks aren't everything, but you know that's what gets defensive linemen drafted and paid. And that's how they make the Pro Bowl. But, Matt, you go back and look. The last couple of defensive linemen, uh, defensive tackles uh, uh, that have been drafted by this team in the first round, and we'll call Logan Hall a first rounder because he was the yeah. first pick in the second round. Exactly. But go back to 1995. Warren Sapp, three sacks as a rookie. In 1999, Booger McFarland out of LSU, one sack as a rookie. Then you draft Gerald McCoy with the second, uh, was the third overall pick um, in 2010. And Gerald had three sacks as a rookie. Vita Vea, 12th overall pick back in 2018. Three sacks as a rookie. So all of a sudden, you got Logan Hall with two sacks in five games. I mean, what's the ceiling on this kid? He told us, Matt, that six sacks was his goal. He's well on his way there, statistically speaking. I'm trying to remember when we had Will Golston on the podcast. This was around Memorial Day, I think. And uh, he had huge expectations for Logan Hall. I think he said... Did he say – I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think it was like around double-digit sacks or something like that. He, he, said, yeah, he said he wouldn't be surprised if he was a double-digit sacker, that he you know, that he was more athletic than J.J. Watt in his prime. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. That was the other – A little much, Will. One. Love you, friend of the program, but, yeah. you know. And how about a question here from Rich? He says, what are you seeing with Vita Vea? Had a sack uh, deemed to be yeah. lost – in the run game Vita picked it up today uh, I think he was very explosive on some plays uh, there was one where they should have called a holding but they yeah. didn't where he just burst into the backfield I think this was an important game for Vita to to get it together um, a little bit because there was a lot of criticism about Vita and then he definitely yeah. I would say he picked it up today I, I think so too but the, he's not as consistent as he was last year we're seeing flashes right we're seeing yes. glimpses but we're not seeing that that kind of steady down to down type of play and i'm going to do some digging on this but I, i'll say this about vita playing next to endowment Kasu brought out the best in him right and and there, there's 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 a level of maturity and maybe it's the fact that he was you know 33 34 35 years old right and dominican sue but there was a level of maturity about sue that i about the game itself right that I'm not quite sure if Vita Vea is quite there yet at age 27. I know he's a team captain. Part of that's because he went to the Pro Bowl and, you know, status, right? It's Pro Bowl. Yeah. It's the $17 million per year. That, that, that gets you the C on the chest because you're supposed to be the captain, right? But I, I just haven't seen Vea be as consistent as he has been over the last couple of years playing next to Ndamukong and Sue. Very much, Matt, like how... We didn't see the best Devin White when Levante David was out at the end of yeah. last year, right? He looked a little lost. Remember the Jets game? Remember the Panthers games? Yeah, it's, it, it's, it wasn't the same. And, and I don't think we're seeing the same beat of Bea without Andamak and Sue there. I'm not saying sign Sue, and I'm not saying they're going to, but it's it's something that that I'm noticing, and I'm trying to find out what's the missing link, what's what's the common denominator between the good play and and the bad play, and that, that's the conclusion I'm up to right now. It's like, uh, you know, oh, the the parents are out of town. I got the house to myself. It's like now you're, fin you're yeah. finally in charge. You get to run things how you want to run yeah. things. And, it's it's uh, not like you're going to be irresponsible and throw parties and ragers yeah. and have the cops come and stuff. But but yeah, you're 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 not as maybe disciplined as yeah. you would be if mom and dad were home. Right. Yeah. The house might be a little more messy than it would be if, uh, you know, yeah. if the parents are home. And I think well yeah, said. Vita might be Vita might be going through that. Um, a little bit because you know not everyone can say they're ready to lead or they're ready to you know right. be a captain and step up but you know you do have to like learn along the way and sometimes there's growing pains whether it's 
yeah. new players working together on offense or finding more leadership on defense with, you know, the old guard leaving with Adamic and Sue. So I think Vita Bay is finding his way a little bit in that aspect of the game. Yeah. And hopefully it could translate onto the field uh, a little bit sooner. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, you know, I, I think uh, we have uh, a victory Monday on tap tomorrow, which is cool. We right? do. Because we haven't yes. had one of those in a while. No, the fans love victory Monday because aside from hearing the awesome analysis from Matthew Matera and myself, and also the latest from Todd Bowles, we'll have the latest injury news. We also do this really cool thing. If you've not been a part of, of a Monday show yet live, we do... Roll call. Where you at, pewter people? We yeah. want to know because we have the best fans in the world. And we got fans all over the world. So we yeah. want to know, pewter people. We usually do it around 420. Our show yeah. starts at 4 o'clock. So around 420, we're going to put up roll call. We want to know everyone in the chat, the pewter people, where are you watching this show from? Because yeah. we got fans in it's Tampa. Fun. We love doing it on Mondays. Florida, the West Coast yeah. of the United States. We got people in Brazil, China. Netherlands, Finland, Ireland, the Australia. All yeah, Australia. We had a guy watching the Peter Game Day show. It was five in the morning. That's awesome. Watching. I think his name was Barry. Uh, shout That's out awesome. to Barry. If your name wasn't oh. Barry, I apologize. Speaking of which, uh, yeah. Josh, I met uh, not Josh Capo, not not Josh JC Allen, but uh, I met Josh from Canada heading into the Bucks Chiefs game. He came up to me. I was getting my credential at will call, and he's like, "Scott Reynolds, I watch the Peter Report podcast all the time." And we took a selfie together. It was awesome. So that's right. You know, if you see me or any of the reporters at the stadium, please say hello. It was cool meeting Josh. So if you're out there watching, if you're listening, thank you for for uh, you know coming up and saying hello and telling us about the Peter Report podcast. And again, we have uh, our next one tomorrow at four o'clock. That's going to be fun. Uh, I, I feel like it's going to be the best show we've ever done. Matt. Oh, it has very high potential that. to be yeah. the best show. And make sure you're going to pewterreport.com. We've got the best Bucks coverage. We're going to have more content tonight on this game. Uh, we've got Bucks Monday mailback tomorrow. Two-point conversion uh, is, is being worked on as we speak. Make sure that you're following Pewter Report on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Pewter Report. So you're a Pewter Report fan. You're watching this Pewter Report podcast. Go check out our website. Go check out our social media. And, of course, as always, we want you to subscribe to Pewter Report TV. That's our YouTube channel. What happens when people subscribe to our YouTube channel, Matt? Oh, it helps us out with our algorithm. It lets the good people know. You might be a Bucks fan. Uh, you might just be an NFL fan more interested in the Buccaneers. That helps us with our algorithm. It helps Pewter Report TV get out there a little bit more. So if you see a video of Todd Bowles, Tom Brady, Leonard Fournette, you know, whoever it may be, Devin White. Um, you can find those videos um, out in the wilderness of the internet and YouTube. So uh, please make sure you like and subscribe. Help us get a couple more followers. We're closing in on 10,000. We, we really want to get to that number. So I uh, would appreciate it if you guys could could go and do that. So uh, yeah. for Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thank you, everybody, for watching. And we will see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. It's going to be Victory Monday. Victory Monday. Always better.